How's it going, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to uh, Emerald City Hockey's post game live. Thank you all for joining us here. Presented by Flatstick Pub. I mean, not the bounce back game that we were all hoping for after that opening night loss to Vegas Golden Knights as the Kraken fall three nothing to the Predators. Um, still, I mean, there was there were some good moments. Um, kind of front-loaded in this game. A lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of stuff that the Kraken, just bottom line, need to work on uh, here in the early runnings, RJ. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, a lot of stuff they need to work on for sure. Uh, but a lot of problems, I think, you know, can be coached, can be improved. And, you know, maybe there's some reason for optimism down the road. Um, but, you know, this, this was a, a pretty tough game. Yeah, and we'll get to all that in just a moment. But first, definitely want to thank Flatstick Pub for being our post-game live sponsor for this third season of Kraken Hockey. RJ, why don't you fill everybody in here? All right, so uh, thank you again to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring all these post-game lives. Uh, and I talked with them today. We've got something fun to share with you here. Season-long specials at Flatstick Pub. Again, another reason why they're a great place for you know, either before or after a Kraken game. Uh, we've got... Pre-game, so before the game, 50% off all the games at Flatstick Pub. And they've got lots of great games, you know, mini golf, all kind of variations of it, too. They've got some fun games there. And then post-game, a dollar off beer. So all their beer is, is local beer, too. They only serve local beer, which is great. And you can get a dollar off uh, at their South Lake Union. These are at their South Lake Union location. So just show your Kraken ticket, and you can take advantage of these two specials. They're going to be running all season long. So it doesn't matter which Kraken game. Go and take advantage of those specials. Yeah, this is some good specials, too. I, I really like that, especially being there, you know, walking distance from from the game and all that kind of stuff. I, I really like that. Um, all right. So it's unfortunately another therapy session. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> didn't didn't want to have to start with two of them. But here we are. We'll make the best of it. Uh, Start off with the super chat here from Schultz. Too early to put Yamamoto or Cartier on the second line question mark. I don't know. I think you probably finish out the road trip. I, I feel like before you do any sort of tweaking, you see how the game against St. Louis goes after that though, RJ, if, if that game kind of goes as flat as these first two games, certainly from like a scoring perspective, I got to think everything's on the table. Yeah, I would think so too. I get, I would give it that one more game, like you say, but just given what the lines are, I mean, they're just not generating enough offensively. And that's normally when you see the line blender and I would look squarely at that second line. Uh, we've seen good moments from the Beneers line. We've seen good moments from that, that Gord Tolvin and Bjorkstrand line, that second line, just kind of going back to last season, just feels like those leftover bits that don't quite all belong together. And I think you might have to do a little bit of shuffling there. So, um, um, you know, I don't know what exactly you do. It's tough because, you have, you know, that means you kind of have Schwartz or Burakovsky as maybe a fourth liner temporarily. Um, but I think, you know, if you have another game like this, you do have to switch things up. Right. And, you know, look, Yamamoto has, has definitely shown flashes through these first two games. Carte getting his first, you know, taste of this new season today. I thought he looked really, really good in that first 10 minutes. Some of the stuff that he was able to do, particularly being able to get net front in front of UC Soros. He was battling against the Predators defensemen. He was winning those battles. At one time, he took on both defensemen, and he still was winning the battle. So that is something that it felt like the, the top two lines could have used, particularly that second line. Somebody who can just go and be a dedicated net front presence. Somebody who can go and use their body in the corners to push people off pucks. Maybe try to extend a possession or work with a dump and chase type situation. 
I, I think Cartier is is certainly a guy that I would look at at, at moving further up uh, the lineup. But yeah, I mean, the first 10 minutes of this one, it looked good for him. It looked good for the fourth line. It looked good for the Kraken overall as far as getting in front of UC Saros. It's just unfortunate they couldn't keep it up. Yeah, it's what we remember pretty much from the playoffs last year. And I mean, maybe even just try him out, put him back where he was in the playoffs on that first yeah. line, see what happens. You can move Jared McCann maybe down to the second line. And I think that would be a lot of help for that group, especially someone creative like Andre Burakovsky. Give him a finisher to to find there. And I know, you know, Berkey had a couple of good chances in this one, tended to miss the net high. But, you know, if you can get that playmaker side of him going too, I think that could be helpful. Yeah, picked up what uh, Vince Dunn had in that first game. Uh, but thank you for the super chat there, Schultz. Uh, Sergeant Pickles, duds. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Lars, probably. Uh, darn you, Frylock, lobster in a non-coastal state. Yes, lots of references there to our uh, our live game commentary over on Patreon. Thanks to Sergeant Pickles and everybody else who was able to make it up uh, for that. Um, yeah, I mean, the Lars situation gets that elbow from Forsberg, loses his cool, Dunn loses his cool again after losing his cool with Forsberg earlier and taking a bad penalty. And the bottom line is they never regained their composure through that. Both of them were kind of, you know, fighting with guys, dealing with the emotions of that moment. And then we we got, uh, you know, if, if you were around for season one, you know all about the uh, the left skate of the defenseman just deflecting a puck in past Grubauer. That was a really that was probably the worst sequence, RJ, in a game that had kind of quite a few yeah i'd say so i mean it was just a bad sequence all around you have larson getting kind of bloodied in the corner there forsberg trying to tries to throw the reverse it had him hit maybe hits him with the elbow or the shoulder uh larson's upset about it but he goes right back to playing dunn's upset about it he doesn't go right back to playing he grabs the nearest predator he can find which by the way was not the right guy yeah. and wrestles with him behind the net for a while finally giving him a wrestling style takedown probably should have been a penalty on him at that point but there was already a delayed call just lack of discipline in this one. Yeah, Lars uh, getting involved with an already engaged Ryan O'Reilly and cross-checking him along the boards. I mean, it was it was a really, really rough sequence for them. Jessica here with big super chat. Thank you very much. Bam! Diversity loves company. Thanks for <laughs> the group therapy session. You're very welcome, Jessica. Thanks for joining us for the Patreon live stream as well. Thank you very, very much for the super chat. Uh, we talked about the duds, got some studs here from Sergeant Pickles too. game over by 730 Pacific. That is that is definitely true, especially after that last one. I know Staying up till basically midnight. Another uh, half hour now before, you know, before game the last starts. game started. Yeah. Uh, even grew couldn't will them to victory. Hockey pun based cat names. Yes, we'll get to the cat names in a second. But we need to talk about Philip Grubauer because Philip Grubauer was unbelievable in this game i know the stat line is three nothing predators but philip grubauer kept this game so amazingly close i mean through that second period the amount of expected goals the amount of breakaways the shorthanded goal that they were able to score there was so much going on that grew was keeping the kraken in it at that point keeping it a, 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 a zero zero game and then keeping it a one goal game and it was really really impressive and it's you know these are the nights where it really feels that extra little bit worse that you're not able to kind of come through for your guy in net. Yeah, this was a fantastic goalie effort that was really wasted by the Kraken, unfortunately. Grubauer did everything he possibly could to keep the team in, in the game for uh, for a while, and there were breakaways against him. There were just high-quality chances left and right, uh, and he managed to shut the door through all of it. This is a game that easily could have gotten out of hand very early, and he gave them chance after chance to get back in it. You just have to get one for your goalie and try and build off that. 
Kraken couldn't do that tonight. I'm checking Money Puck here. Yeah, he, uh, according to Money Puck here, yeah, uh, 4.6 basically, 4.6 expected goals against, only allowed two. Um, so that's, you know, 2.6 uh, goals saved above expected in this one game. That's pretty impressive. Say, is that is that refreshed? Because I'm looking at 5.76 for the Predators. Uh, that includes Total. the empty netter. Oh, that's the empty netter. All right. Well, that's a yeah, whole extra So he didn't goal. face yeah. that. There you go. Well, that's good. Uh, Kraken must have worn off on me because when I was trying to go to Money Puck, I just typed in money and hit enter into the search bar. So that was, Oh, I've done that so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Google search for money. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, that was discouraging. It, yeah. After game one, you know, we were looking for that bounce back different team really hoping that you know against nashville you're able to get a little something going they're not as skilled as vegas obviously um don't have too many forwards you have to worry about their their style of attack is very different the kraken have always struggled against those heavy transition teams like the vegas golden knights nashville not really capable of playing that style so they don't didn't think we would have to worry about that and yet still rj we had all those breakaways we had odd man rushes we had the slowest moving four on two developing in i think hockey history that the kraken had to go and deal with it was um it was a little a little discouraging from that standpoint and credit to the Preds for adjusting. And this is something we kind of noticed as the, the live commentary was going on, where there was a, a play where the Kraken, they, we noticed they were being really aggressive early in the game, bringing players forward on the rush. And it culminated in this play where the Kraken had all five of their guys basically from the top of the Nashville circles on down. Yeah. Adam Larson's the only one who kind of hesitated at all. And the Preds catch them in transition. There was a bad turnover. And all of a sudden, they've got a four-on-one going the other way. And they were just so slow to execute on that. It took a long time to develop. And so we were thinking, hey, maybe this is a good calculation from the Kraken. They got a little bit ahead of themselves right uh but because nashville's so slow coming back the other way it can't really hurt them that much and so maybe that's a, a conscious coaching decision but credit to the preds coaching staff they adjusted they know they don't have the fastest players but what you saw them doing is they'd have one forward kind of fly the zone early if it looked like a turnover might happen mm -hmm. get behind the crack in defense and so all of a sudden the player doesn't have to move very fast but the puck can do the fast moving as you can hit them with a bat yeah. pass as they get behind the crack in d and we saw that adjustment made mid second period by nashville and it led to a lot of really high quality chances so that's the kind of thing the kraken have to be on top of and be able to make a counter adjustment yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, Ty, where's that panic button? We have a lot to work on. I know. I mean, look, not to, again, hammer home on the power play, but the power play, again, you know, there was a brief flash on that second one, but it wasn't what the Kraken needed. And again, through a lot of this game, you, it was 0-0. Zero, zero. It was, you know, you were only down by one. That's that's a time where that could come in and, and really help you out. The transitions we talked about, even against a team that does, isn't trying to get you in transition, you're struggling against the transition. Uh, and then just offense in general. I mean, lots of talk from everybody, right, about, you know, where's the finishers? Do we need a finisher? You know, what's going on? And the bottom line is at some point, the Kraken are going to need, one, you know, more than one goal on the season. And it's going to be interesting to see when that happens. Uh uh, super chat here from Duthin. Shout out to Ryan Donato, who scored as many points as all Kraken skaters combined two games in. Love him, but I hope that's not true for long. Definitely, Duthin. Thank you for the super chat. And yeah, uh, <laughs> Ryan Donato is yeah, choking on air. Um, Ryan Donato is having a heck of a start playing with Connor Bedard out there in Chicago. But as I was just saying, I mean, the Kraken needs somebody to step up offensively right now, RJ. 
Yeah, they really do. And it doesn't really matter who it is. You, you just need the bounces to start going your way or just a player to step up and make a skill play. I mean, it's back to the preseason, so it's a little different. But I think about the preseason game against the Oilers where the Kraken didn't have anything going for them. And all of a sudden, Jared McCann just unleashes his special shot, beats mm-hmm. Jack Campbell to the near side post, and it's a one nothing game for Seattle. I think you need the best players to just sometimes have a play that takes over. We haven't fully seen that yet. Um, um, from, you know, Jared McCann, a Matty Beniers, uh, Andre Burakovsky, Oliver Bjorkstrand. They've had yep. their moments, but no point do they really just take over the game. And I think you just need somebody to step up and do that. I think the player that most did that tonight might have actually been Jamie Alexiak. And again, yeah. you got you to gotta think back to the early first period, but he actually had the most things going on from like a dynamic creating offensive standpoint. And that's, you know, it's great every now and then. Uh, but you probably don't want to have to rely on Jamie Alexiak to be your offense every game. Um, Ty, we had momentum. We're on the attack. Preds made an adjustment, never looked back. We have to be able to adjust on the fly. Uh, it's true, RJ. That's something that the Kraken need to improve on. Joey with, you know, not good, especially with the Blues, Avalanche, Rangers, and Hurricanes coming up. I mean, this, I don't want to say it, but like, you know, people are talking about it, right? Like this has a... a t- you know, the potential to turn into a a bad snowball. Yeah. I mean, if you don't sort things out by this next game and and you look this bad against St. Louis, it has the potential to really kind of skid out of control. And I mean, it's something we saw the Kraken were able to get ahead of every single time last season. They didn't have a single losing streak longer than three games. And I, I think there's you know a lot of leadership in that room that prevented that from happening. I think it has to step up again here now. I mean, they're needed early. Uh, we'll see what they're able to do. But they, you know, good indication. They were able to take care of it every single time last season before it spiraled out of control. Yes. Now there is, uh, there is some, some people, you know, in here helping everybody stay positive out of cat, you know, saying I I'm remaining optimistic. Um, I think that that's certainly good, right? You know, it's one thing to look a little out of sync, like John's saying, but there's, there's still some, some stuff. Um, I did like, uh, where is it? Sean, pretend the like button is the panic button. So there you go. If you're if you're hitting the panic <laughs> button, you can hit that like button instead. Appreciate it, Cody. Also reminded everybody to hit the like button. Um, Alex, can't win games when you don't score goals. Grubauer has been our best player by far to start the season. The rest of the team has been invisible. Uh, just like we all thought, right, RJ? <laughs> Yeah, no, we we all thought that going to the season, right? You know, the Grubauer would be carrying the Kraken, right? But yeah. uh, fortunately, that's where we're at. Definitely. Uh, Alex also saying we have more goals against on the power play than we have power play goals. Pain. And I think, yeah, pain. There's no other word for it there. Edward, power play is a wreck in progress. I know. know. Yeah, good good play on my work in progress comments from last game. I I think wreck in progress is a little closer to the reality right now. Slightly more uh, appropriate. Uh, Sergeant Pickles, I know it sucks, but give it at least 10 games before we panic. One good win changes the whole vibe. And you're very, very right. And I know I I saw a comment about it um, somewhere. I'm I'm searching for it. But somebody did mention, right, like, look, we haven't seen them play at home. It's possible that this is a reverse of last year where – they're going to win a ton at home and and maybe the road record is is what doesn't look as great right like that's there's still the potential for that and you know what? That's what makes the most sense. That's what most teams do. They look worse on the road than they do at home. I mean, maybe the Kraken are kind of reverting to a more normal hockey team. 
Yeah, it was also it was Schultz who, who had that earlier up in the comment section there, uh, who talked about that. And I think there's there's you know the chance for that. It's going to be a tough little home stretch. The few home games they have this month are not easy ones, uh, especially starting things off with Colorado next week for that first home game. That's that's not ideal, but uh, you know we'll we'll see what they got. Um, Joey, we must give up the most shorthanded goals in the league. I mean, it's possible we are so far this season, <laughs> just given that, you know, not everybody's played yet even. Um, but it's, you know, the PK, they are aggressive, right? The, the power kill, that's something we've talked about through the first two seasons. Sometimes that does, you know, leave you a little vulnerable to some things. Well, I guess that doesn't matter for shorthanded. I'm thinking the other way, shorthanded. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. You, when you, you know, if you have to force things on the, on the power play, or again, this is where the lack of movement hurts you. If guys are stationary and the PK unit on the other side is not stationary, they have momentum. If stuff starts going the other way, they've already got momentum. They're ahead of you. You're not going to catch them. Like that is a problem. So it's another reason why guys should stay moving on the power plays. Just, you know, you, you keep momentum. If you need to cut it up ice real quick, you already got some speed to work with. Um, yeah, exactly. And I, I'm looking at uh, shorthanded goals against here. Kraken were uh, had the eighth mo- allowed the eighth most in the league last season, so nine shorthanded goals against. Um, top team was Vancouver Canucks with 14. There you go, um, Stratic. Looking for positives. Can we talk about the Kraken's box play? I mean, PK PK does look good. Joey, right there afterwards. PK was a bright spot. Um, I mean, they are they are rock solid on that, RJ. And there were some tough ones that they had to kill, like from momentum perspectives, too, where they had to come up yeah. big. I think about that five on three for a minute 31. That was a big deal. Yeah, the Kraken were super disciplined on that five on three. I mean, staying in their triangle, making sure the Preds couldn't work anything to the inside. They just didn't have any passing lanes through the slot. Uh, and that's really impressive and hard to do, too, especially with uh, one of the Kraken losing his stick mid five on three. You always worry about mm-hmm. that, but able to pick it up really quickly and just stay in formation. Uh, and you, the other thing you notice with that one, too, is Grubauer. He was able to see every shot really clearly. He was able to have the shooting lanes just ready to track those shots. And I mean, when you can help your goalie out like that, that's the number one key to a good power uh, penalty kill. Yeah. Bob Rain, second most expected goals against in team history after the Dallas Stars game two of the playoffs last year. I mean, so for wow. reg- setting a regular season record for, for most expected goals against in team history uh, in this one. And I believe it. I mean, there was me to pull that up by her end. Also, yeah. that's a great stat. Yeah, no, it's I, I totally believe it. Um, CJ, outside of some minutes of consistency, they just seemed off. Odd to have most of the team like that. Plus, Maddie seemed to be a non-factor considering his importance in this lineup. Um, so I'll say it, I talked about it during the game. I talked about it a little bit last post game. Maddie isn't showing up on the score sheet. Obviously, nobody is. Um, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Maddie in the offensive zone. He is trying to be somebody who can help generate offense. Now he's not necessarily doing it through using the puck, right? Trying to create plays or be dynamic in that way. But what we've seen so far for Maddie this year is that he's using his body a lot more, whether it was net front. If you go back and watch the first 10 minutes of this game, you'll see him net front using his body to try to create space or create opportunities for his line mates. In the last game, he did a lot of that kind of causing chaos in the corners for the Vegas Golden Knights defenseman. So Maddie is is trying new things, right? He's trying to step up his game. He is trying to evolve as a player. He's just not like an offensive 
dynamic, you know, show-stopping star guy, but he never has been. That's never really been his game, RJ. It's just, you know, he, he's, he does things a little bit differently, and unfortunately, it's not helping the Kraken score goals at the moment. Right. And I mean, you, when you dig a little bit deeper too, it's tough when nobody's getting on the score sheet, you know, to, to kind of discern these things where somebody just needs to break through. Um, but I think you, you look at the, um, you know, McCann, Beneers, Eberly line too, and they have the second most ice time of, of the forward lines in this game and 62% of expected goals for in a game where the Kraken got caved in expected goals wise. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, shots on goal, you know, four, three in favor of, of the Meniers line when they were out there, um, you know, it's kind of just low shooting, low event but you know at least you know they were on the positive end of it not all the cracked lines could say that uh, yeah if they had 60 <laughs> if they had that much i would say none of the other lines could say that uh most likely um joey if Gru also maddie veneers i just sorted by expected goals here on on money puck just individual kraken players uh-huh. uh leads the way on the kraken with uh, 0.51 yeah so i mean you know he, he's had a breakaway in each game where he had the breakaway last game he had an op- a good you know odd man rush opportunity in this one he, he's you know again like i said he's not a Connor mcdavid right i know it was a second overall pick but we knew all along he's more you know complete game player like that's more his style and he's utilizing those strengths when he can and you know what? 50%. Well, 50% on face-offs tonight. Five for 10. Hey, we're getting there. Let's go. Growth <laughs> opportunities. Love it. Um, let's see, Tammy. I'd like to see Berkey and Cartier together. We're back to Grubauer standing on his head and the team's not coming through exactly like the beginning of last year. Yeah. And you know, last year they were able to figure things out, but yeah, Berkey and Cartier could be interesting together. RJ. Yeah, I wonder how those two would mesh. I don't think we've really, we certainly haven't seen that before. Yeah, no, we've never, we've <laughs> like, never seen yeah, it. No, we, so, uh, but I'm trying to think, try. You know, if if Cartier is going to be a net front guy, you know, Berkey likes to wait and, and take advantage of opportunities to kind of walk and take a shot. If you've got Cartier in front screening, I could see that working yeah. out. I mean, Cartier is a guy who can help create space for his line mates, no matter who they are. And Andre Burakovsky is someone who does well with a lot of space. So mm-hmm. I can see that working uh gilberto first time tuning into the post game since playoffs missed you guys but on to tonight's game i know it's only the second game but seattle got outplayed all night uh i will give you the last 50 minutes of the game but i will i will stand firm <laughs> that the kraken outplayed nashville the first 10 minutes of this one they just weren't able they just didn't have anything to show for it but again you probably shouldn't lose 50 minutes straight rj of getting outplayed no uh yeah 10 minutes of, of good you know okay to good hockey a night is not gonna get you many wins no it, it, it won't um all right let's see hockey fork ah, i see i knew it was coming rj fire hackstall jk but seriously heat that power play into the sun that is i think at some point what we might have to end up seeing is you know if there is going to be a change it would be with you know the power play setup and and maybe the the coaching staff sees a shuffling or you know somebody gets let go or something just to work on that power play because at some point if you're going to turn it around you're going to need that thing to score yeah uh, i mean you really are i mean i think paul mcfarland is probably where the you know the the focus needs to turn to yes um Let's see. Uh, Stratic, it felt like last year those step up guys were often in Donato and Sprong. I, yeah, they were. Or, or, you know, Morgan Geeky, I think of more early in the season as I see like AK, um, his comment down here. Hello, we started off ho hum last year and then skyrocketed. They'll get it figured. Um, some other people have put that in chat. You know, I think of Geeky earlier on in the season and then Sprong uh, later on in the year. 
but there's still time. There's still time for for a Yamamoto to become that guy, for a Burakovsky to become a guy. Oliver Bjorkstrand, who was you know totally snake bitten, he could turn turn it on and become that guy. Really, right now, anybody could become that guy. It's just somebody needs to do it. And sometimes all it takes is one, and then the floodgates open too. I, these games can be very just momentum based. That's kind of how hockey works, right? You know, all it takes is one thing going your way, and then you feel like, okay, stuff can go my way now. Yeah. Um, all right, RJ. Question here from CJ: Why do I have the lowest expectations when the second line rolls out? Uh, because they have the least amount of time together, and I think probably the worst chemistry of the lines. I mean, Jessica points this out a couple uh, couple chats earlier. I don't think they found the right trio for Burakovsky. Chemistry is lacking, um, and I think it's kind of simple as that. I personally, I've, I feel like I've seen enough of that trio for now. I, I want something a little bit different. Whatever you have to do with it. Um, they, you know, not, nothing gets any of them individually as a player. Uh, I just think, you know, the three of them don't work all that great together. Yeah, I mean, Ricky, or even earlier in chat, Wenberg seems washed. Still waiting on Wenberg for, for something, right? Like, look, we, we joked all last year. He never likes to shoot the puck, all that stuff. He's just a distributor. I'm not noticing him distributing at all. I'm not really noticing him offensively at all. Um, I, I am kind of waiting on him getting going. At some point here, um, Lindsay just getting home from work and couldn't watch the game, but looks like I didn't miss much. I'll be watching on Saturday, so it's a guaranteed win. Apologies, Kraken. I'll watch live from now on. Well, there you go. Lindsay just took the blame for everybody. It was very there kind, you Lindsay. <laughs> you didn't have to do that, but you know, good on you for, for doing it. Um, CJ, does Joey start on Saturday, even though Groovy looks good? You know, I mean, I think maybe it's something you want to consider. Yeah. Just just be just because like it's a long season, you know, it's an 82 game season. You're going to have to get Joey some starts. You're going to have to get him into a rhythm. Although maybe if you're looking at this next game is just really important that you get a win just to prevent mm-hmm. a slide from happening. You stick with Grubauer. But I do think that's something longer term. The Kraken are going to want to be mindful of is not running Grubauer into the ground because that's going to be really important for you, especially when he's playing this well. Right. You know, make sure that he's not playing too much. I was just going to say, and, you know, on the flip side of that is you stick in Joey Decord and maybe it helps light a spark because it's like, look, this other guy's doing everything he possibly can to keep us in games. And, and you know, guys not guys aren't you know backing him up on that. Uh, maybe maybe sticking Joey Decord in there is, is what helps light that fire, because it is, you know, the Blues is a much more uh, winnable game. I guess we'll just I'll just come out and say it than you know, looking at Colorado. And and so if you can also, yeah, you figure you're starting Grubauer against Colorado because exactly. he always plays well against them. So, you know, he's getting that start at, yeah. a, at some point. You're going to have to give Joey a start. Yeah, uh, I like that idea, CJ. CJ. Um, and he said I had to miss the first post game live of the season Tuesday, but had to work early. Glad to have hockey and crack and hockey back. But boy, this is a rough start to the season. Yes. But as many players, many people have been pointing out, it was a rough start to last season, too. And the team was able to get things going and, and go on some long win streaks there. But glad to have you back, Andy. And definitely no worries. That was a late post game. That first one. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, four losses in the first five games for the Kraken last season. You know, I know yeah. we, we felt like, oh, here we go again. But, you know, it didn't turn out that way. Yeah. Uh, Alex, I'm not sold on Wenberg to me. He didn't stand out last year and I really don't see him being a good option at center, whether that be on the second line, third or fourth, think we need a more dynamic C. I mean, this is part of it, RJ, whether it's Matty Beneers, Alexander Wenberg, Yanni Gord, heck you throw Shane Wright in 
these are all complete centers, if not kind of defensively leaning centers, right? Like mm -hmm. that's kind of the way this team is built. And you know what? We've talked about it time and time again. That is fantastic for the postseason. You want those two way guys, guys who can show up and do that stuff. But you, you need somebody to help drive offense, take charge, all that kind of stuff in the offensive zone. And, and I don't know that the Kraken have that guy. No, I mean, they, they need producers. And this was something that they focused on in their first off, off season, you know, like with signing Burakovsky and getting guys who will get you enough offensive production to get you to the playoffs. And, you know, there's that, that adage, there's guys who will get you there and there's guys who will get you through. And Wenberg yeah. is probably one of those guys who will get you through. But in moments like this where you just need to bank points and you need some offensive production, you know, that's not really his forte. Yeah, exactly. Um, chat, what player merch do you want to see ECH offer? I'd love to see a Cartier tee, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, some Cartier stuff. Absurdly saying, wait, still waiting on Afro merch, but I guess it's a good thing because we need to add Fuji now. That is true. Um, I will just say this. Merch design, it's it's the toughest thing for us because neither one of us are artists or graphic designers or thinking that way much at all so it is yep. it is a tough our respective one. siblings got all the artistic skill and they did and then they had to go and like be successful and busy and all that stuff too so come on what heck, gives? guys come on uh <laughs> so but we will definitely be working on that and hey if you're maybe a, a graphic design person you can reach out Hit us up <laughs> yeah um ricky pk and grubauer are the strengths of the team this year last year is another country i know it's but you know what look those are those are two things that you can stand on for a while and you know if you are good on the pk and certainly in net you're going to be in games and i think that is the thing that um you know still keeps things positive here looking forward you know the idea of you being able to turn it around those those are things that make that a lot easier um hunter but how do we fix the power play do we just need a superstar like matthews or mcdavid to make it effective is it really that simple rj um I, well i think it can be if you do have the superstar but that's not in the kraken's future anytime soon i don't think certainly not this season um so you know there are other ways you can do it tactically i mean i know dylan you and i have a lot of thoughts uh, on what the kraken can do power play wise uh, even maybe moving away from from kind of the stale one three one system that you know works well for some personnel but given who the kraken have i just don't think it's a very good fit um there are other ways you know that you can draw up a power play and other places uh, uh, that you can move players to uh, ways you can get player movement involved to get those guys moving around. The Kraken have tried a little bit of it. I've seen it in through the preseason in practice, um, but haven't really seen it come together in a game. I mean, that's that's one you know that that given enough time or at some point, you know, Dylan could pull out the whiteboard for an extended thing. Maybe not you know here and now, but yeah, we we have some ideas. I was gonna say, I mean, even even bringing out the the whiteboard at this point, I don't even know what I would show because it's just move. Like like I don't care what what you're going for with the movement, what types of plays you're looking for. Whether it's you want one timers from the guys who play on the half boards, you want to open things up for the bumper, you want stuff offense to come from the back end. I don't care what it is, but they need to pick something and they need to move to make it happen. Because right now, when the the opposing team's PK can just bunch up. They take the bumper guy completely out of it. So it's really four on four that everybody's playing. And the only way to open that up is the stuff that we talked about with Riker Evans. Riker Evans' lateral movement dropping lower in the zone. It forces those PKers or it really it draws them in. They want to step up and try to make a play. And then all of a sudden, your, your, your person in the bumper spot is open. Your guys on the half boards don't have somebody as close to them. They're able to take some steps in, get some space, get a better angle to shoot the puck. 
these are the things that they can be working on. And again, you can pick any of those solutions, but they all come from player movements at the end of the day. You got to figure that out or stick the big rig net front. I guess we're kind of back to that too, of just get somebody big. He, he, he was net front and looked okay. in earlier in this game, even, um, Maybe you try something like that. But right now, as long as they just allow the opposing team's PK to just sit there in a box and take away the bumper and stay close to the guys on the half board so they don't really have time and space and they're stuck shooting from bad angles, you're never going to be effective because you just can't do anything. You're playing, you're essentially playing four on a stagnant four on four. And why, why would you expect that to work is really more so the question. Um, we can celebrate the difference in PK over this time last year, at least. That is true. Remember, it was yep. it was rough back then. It's a good point, Tammy. Um, let's see. Can someone at me with the zone possession time percentage, Patrick? There, I don't know if anybody ended up getting to that. Um, you want to explain? Is there like a good place to go for that, RJ? Not that I know of. Yeah. Um, I know they'll they'll put it, you know, on the on the twins at Kraken games sometimes, and they have kind of the, you know, the. Uh, the analytics from you know from amazon or other you know sap but i don't know a good place to get that publicly i mean if anybody knows of that please put that in the chat but yeah i'm not sure yeah um from rayanne off topic but any news on tanev so obviously tanev didn't play tonight cartier rolls in go for it yeah no i was saying no update on tanev i'm, I'm sorry you, you got me uh you know ready to complain here just because no update on tanev uh, there's never an update like the night of we know that but hackstall of course was asked about it this morning and just said he did not give any update aside from he's not available tonight or he's out tonight so um no update no upper or lower body or you know maybe it's both at this point no timeline no day-to-day -day, no week-to-week -week, nothing so yeah there we go. I'm Maybe. so hockey's got to change that. It's, it's especially is going to be a bigger part of the game. Like we can't have two days later, no injury update whatsoever, aside from just out. I was going to say every sports league right now is relying on sports betting to be a massive influx of attention and thus money, right? Cause it means more people watching live, more advertising dollars, all that kind of stuff. It's crazy to me that the, that the NHL can still kind of get away with that where you're not even, not even again, we're not even talking like, Oh, they're just saying, you know, upper body injury. They didn't even give us that. Like it's just, yeah, it's hurt. He's not playing tonight. That's it. It's like, it's kind of wild. Um, howdy, Stu. How's it going? Gary, how's it going? <laughs> I mean, I see how it's going for you there, Gary. Um, it's all good. Um, I miss Riker Evans. I mean, not the penalties with three Zach Hyman breakaways in a row stuff. Although after tonight, maybe that wouldn't be a downgrade. But the rest of it, I mean, look, it was another iffy game from Brian Dumoulin, RJ. Now, the contract situation, really, nothing's going to change. I know it's certainly not this fast, but I guess it bears. It, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I think so. Again, I, I don't see Hackstall making a change that quick. And I think they do want to get Riker Evans some more AHL games just to progress and everything. I mean, that's why I thought that even if like, say, Belmar, you know, was injured worse than he was in the last game and wasn't able to come back, why you'd still wouldn't see like Shane Wright coming up or anything is because I think those two guys, they want what's best for their longer term development. I think they probably think that Evans could use a few more games in the AHL. And, you know, it's rarely a bad thing for a player. Um, but yeah, just given what we know about Hackstall, I don't see him benching a vet like Dumoulin after a couple bad games. All right. Then the different question is, do you think there's a time if things don't turn around that the Kraken would, you know, sub out Dumoulin for Magna? That I think would be a lot more likely um, just because you're looking at that role as just a, a kind of defensively sound 
third pairing defenseman. And, you know, Riker Evans is not that right now. You know, I don't, that's not, that's not his game. You know what I mean? He doesn't mm-hmm. play the Dublin Magna style of game. Um, but if you look at filling that role, you know, Magna fills it pretty well. That is his game. And I think you might look at him as, as an alternative there and see what you have. I think it'll take at least another game maybe or two, but eventually I think Magna would be the guy that they would give the try to first. Yeah. Um, George, beyond the obvious offensive and defensive struggles, it seems like we're playing a bit soft. Time for John Hayden on the fourth line to mix things up. Are we there, RJ? Do we just go big, big guys out there and, and bruise it up, goon it up a little? You know, like my my brain says, like, no, that's not going to make any kind of a difference. You got to, you know, figure out the scoring. I, my my gut says, you know what? It might actually help things. I don't know why, but it it might just have a fight two minutes into the next game against St. Louis. One of those staged fights. Get the boys going and, and maybe it would work. Yeah, I'm trying to pull it up. NHL app has gotten a lot better from the preseason, but once a game's over, it's like that game breaks and you can't see anything. So I'm trying to see what the hit totals are. Yeah. So I'm trying to see what the hit totals were from this game. If I can here. Yeah. Kraken got out hit 25 to 18, you know, not the most physical performance from them. Uh, there was that one time though, Ty Cartier went for a big hit and, and got sides up last minute and he just kind of sent yeah. himself flying into the boards, but he was trying. I mean, that's also a worse sign, too, because you're okay getting out hit if you have a lot of the puck possession for most of the game. That's generally what it's going to mean. And that's why we don't look at hits as necessarily a good stat to have a lot of. But when you get out hit despite not having a lot of possession in the game, despite getting out shot by quite a bit, you know, that's how you can tell that physicality maybe isn't where it needs to be. Yeah, you got out shot 35 to 23 and out hit. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's not as good. And you look at the shots on goal per period, right? second period only four of them third period when you were down by one and then down by two only seven you had a power play in that period too right like that's that's definitely more concerning um jake it's my fault team always struggles when i miss the games at work (laughs) (laughs) um who slash what kinds of players did burakovsky play with on his previous teams it's a good question that that is a good question. I'm going to try and look that up really quick. Okay, so uh, we'll come back to that question then. Um, Lonnie, everything old is new. Let's try three forwards, two defensemen on the power play. We joked about that during the live game commentary. Um, yeah, I, like I said, bring out Alexiak, but stick him net front, right? If you're going to do the two defensemen, you might as well really get creative with it, I think. Uh, or bring back the umbrella, because why not? Yep, have that Dave Tippett umbrella power play. You you, you brought in Dave Tippett for a reason. It's probably not just to have another Dave on the coaching staff or for the mustache. I have to imagine it was because they wanted to have the umbrella power play as a backup. It's the only thing I can think of. Um, Okay, so looking at this, sorry, looking at the the, um, Burakovsky question. So in his final season in Colorado, uh, the line mates that he did the best with uh, were Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. All right, so not quite um, repeatable for us. Yeah, followed by Nazem Kadri and Valeri Nichushkin. So um, let's try the season prior. Well, I was just going to say, so that tells us, one, he's capable of playing at a high level with really good players. I mean, that is, I guess, good to know. But the yeah. second group, right, you think of of Nichushkin, you think of Kadri. Again, those are guys that were going to have made space for him. Right. Yeah. Those are guys clearing the way for him. Kadri really, you know, making uh drawing a lot of attention net front or through the slot, leaving a lot of stuff to the side there for Burakovsky to have 
time and space walk in and shoot. So maybe, yeah, him playing with a Cartier, not such a terrible idea. Yeah, the season before that, it was it was Kadri and Brandon Saad. Uh, the season before that, it was uh, Kadri and Nachushkin. So, you know, a lot of, big, lot of success with Nazem Kadri. Yeah, and those are bigger physical guys, right? Nachushkin, Saad even, right? Like, these are guys who are... Nachushkin and Saad, I definitely think of as power forwards, right? I think Ty Cartier is probably the 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 closest thing to a power forward the Kraken have. Yeah, probably. So... Yeah. It's, I guess it's worth a look. Um, Duthin, did we make the wrong call sending Riker down? The power play looked good with him QBing it. Uh, no, I mean, we did just talk about that. I still don't think who you were supposed to then send down in his stead. I mean, you would, I guess, wave Magna and healthy scratch. Well, you don't have to. You have the extra roster Borgen? spot. You oh, that's just... true. Yeah. yeah. But but still, you're, you're then healthy scratching who? Borgen? You weren't going to do Doomlin, for, certainly not for the first two games after you just gave him that that you know contract it's not it's a significant contract it's not massive yeah. but it's Schultz enough. maybe I, yeah i don't know um let's see uh yeah uh jen also going back to the whole joey starting joey don't waste joey's talent the longer a backup rides the bench the rustier they're gonna get it's true and i you know i like that you'd still have through the first four games grubauer starting 75 percent of the games it seems appropriate um certainly for the first uh bit of the year edward glass half full take at oh and two nowhere to go but up not wrong it's true yep, factually true <laughs> that's, that's true um jen but there's nothing wrong with the power play i know <laughs> so we'll probably hear it again at some point too from from hackstall uh braun hey guys good to be here for the first time this year good to see you again braun did uh, we get the super chat from braun yet Oh, no, I was just getting down there to it. It was just one more thing down. Uh, hey, boys, who coaches power play and when they fired? Uh, it's Paul McFarlane and who knows? Yeah, probably when Hackstall is fired. Unfortunately, I, I mean, again, I got to think at some point you would make that change. You, just, you have to at some point. I've I maybe I'm a little bit, you know, jaded from my experience with um, with the Sharks and, you know. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, and their, their power play that got very bad and cost them playoff series and potentially a Stanley cup and, you know, and, and the guy running it still did not get fired. So, you know, it can get a lot worse before changes are made. I'll just say that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, they better fix this before the next three games after Saturday, because it's a gauntlet. Thanks for the therapy, gentlemen. Going to take a bit to shake this string of bad games off. Uh, well, but they'll, they'll find a way. They'll find a way. But thanks yeah. for joining us. Uh, Brandon, I've skipped the panicking stage and I'm going directly to the buying a Glenn Calabrini Kraken jersey. No, no, we can't go that far yet. A little extreme right away, Brandon. A little bit. <laughs> um, CJ asking, who is the center call up if one of our centers gets injured for a few games? Podorowski? possibly um also possibly sure i think sure might be the guy if you're looking for someone just kind of defensively responsible um hackstall and the coaching staff seem to like him so probably sure or potterowski if you want like a game breaker type of guy yeah uh george we're two games in a lot of season left people were calling for hackstall's job at the beginning of the season last year only to praise him at the end as coach of the year potentially this is very true i remember it well uh one of the few people hopping on here for those home games, RJ facing the barrage of the yep. all stuff. <laughs> oh man. Um, Tammy, I don't know anything about Dumoulin. Can you give a little background and history on him? So he's, he played with the penguins for over a decade. Um, 
and it was good for a long stretch there. One of their more reliable defensive uh, guys. He could also move the puck a little, uh, step up when you needed him to, but just a really solid guy. Certainly somebody capable of munching a lot of minutes was around for the two Stanley cups that they won, you know, kind of mid point in the, in the 2010s there. Um, but the last year especially was just awful. It was pinching up the wrong times, really struggled. Um, it sounds like in transition and that's what we've seen from him through two games here, or even in the preseason, like it's transition has been rough. Yeah, and it has. And I, I think also he was put in a role that was probably bigger than than what he could still handle at his age, too. I mean, he was averaging over 20 minutes a night. He was a legit top four defenseman. And I think, you know, part of the thinking might be, OK, we'll just give him a little bit smaller of a role and, and he'll fit that mm -hmm. better because he was facing off against some of the other team's best players consistently in Pittsburgh last year. And that's very difficult to do. Um, yeah. And so, you know, on a third pairing here, you know, the idea is that you give him a little bit easier of a workload. Um, but yeah, he also also, you know, he scored a very big goal in the 2016 Cup final at a game that yeah. we went to where the Stanley Cup was awarded. So that's what I remember for the most. That is true. Uh, Ty, do you think having a completely new fourth line could be having a tough time with the systems? It's something we definitely have seen with new players coming in. Systems take time. Um, there's two things I would say to that, RJ. One, what systems? And two... <laughs> <laughs> And two, uh, I don't know. I think the fourth line seems fine. I just think we're finally at a point where the fourth line isn't going to be asked to score goals the way it has been in the past. And with them not being a more skill-based line, we're seeing the fourth line take on a more traditional approach from an ice time perspective, right? They're going to get seven minutes. That's, you know, what a fourth line gets on most teams. It's something that Hackstall talked about midway through last season. He tried to work towards it. Um, Sprong was just playing too well, the Hayden injury, all that kind of stuff. But I think this is what Hackstall wants. He's okay rotating the top three lines, but he doesn't want this to be a rotation of four lines. And so he put together a, a fourth line that, you know what, it's it can be physical, it can win face-offs, and nothing bad's going to happen when they're out there for the, you know, handful of shifts they're out there. Yeah, I think we got an, uh, an unusual idea of maybe what a fourth line, you know, could, should look like last season. Most fourth lines don't look like that. And I think, you know, Hackstall wants a more traditional fourth line. And you look at this one, Karche, Belmar, Yamamoto, they were on the ice for three and a half minutes at, at five on five in this game. You know, it's not a whole lot of time to, to make a big difference in the game and to, to really make an impact. You know, they had a positive expected goals percentage. You know, I'll give them that. Yep. Um, you know, they, they weren't on the ice for any goals for or against. And, you know, they in that way, they did their job. Yeah, I mean, they did. Um, Ty, we did have a quick peek at an umbrella tonight. Lowell Gordon Yams were on the net with the others cycling outside. Lowell, yes. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. R RJ called it out. And I did question the why, uh, you know, we had the only two players on the team shorter than UC Saros trying to screen UC Saros. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was it was yeah. an interesting call for them to make there. Yeah, and I see Viren asking here, what's the umbrella power oh, play? Yes. So right. it's it is a power play. Oh yeah, do it on the whiteboard. That's even that's even better. Yeah, good good time for the whiteboard <laughs> here. First one. Um I will I will I am proud. I'm really personally quick. proud that our first whiteboard of the season is explaining the umbrella, the umbrella power, power play. play. I know. That we are both so, you know, jokingly fond of. Yes. I mean I I always ran it in those old NHL games. I haven't played like an an EA NHL game in a decade but a decade ago umbrella was my power play system all right so it's it's similar to the one three one especially in a situation like this maybe maybe i can show kind of more so what it looks like 
uh, in certain situations. But the idea of it is, is that it looks vaguely like an umbrella coming out of the net where you have one player net front, one player similar to where a bumper position would be. And then you'll play with three players kind of out like this, just like an umbrella, kind of fanned out like an umbrella. And wherever the puck is, the umbrella moves with them. So these guys can slide, you know, down and across like this. And then these guys slide over and across. And so you always kind of keep that same vague shape and look of an umbrella. And you, it's a lot of passing between these three players, which is ultimately why it went away because you're just taking shots from the point. Most of the time, which are easy, easy to stop. You really have to rely on guys net front screening goaltenders and, and whatnot. Um, so it is more of a joke bringing it up, but at the same time, what they're doing right now isn't working. So I guess everything's on the table. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And Ty pointing out, you know, they run it in beer league. It actually is pretty effective in beer league because you can actually just simplify the game, make those passes on the outside and, you know, have those the scrums in front for rebounds. But at the NHL, they've kind of evolved past it. Yeah, again, it's it, you keep. Yeah, you're kind of forcing yourself to keep it on the outside a little bit too much. Um, striatic umbrella power play. But Jeff Baker's Kraken book explained at length how Seattleites are too cool for umbrellas. Does it really? Does it? There's probably a whole chapter on I it. I believe it. I believe it. All right. <laughs> I won't go far too far down that rabbit hole there. Um, let, let's see. Uh, Jessica, we aren't great at picking up rebounds. That is true. I mean, I don't know if you're meaning offensively or defensively, but I will say that is true to both. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, defensively, I think, you know, guys just kind of can can lose track of the puck sometimes and where it pops out and uh, and I lose track of their their man also. And then offensively, I mean, what does it say, though, that that the Kraken players that are most likely to go to the net and pick up those rebounds and work hard to get to those areas are their smallest guys? It's Yanni Gord. It's Kyler Yamamoto. It, it's Jaden Schwartz. Those are the, the two that we noticed, too, on the, the umbrella power play setup, where it was Kyler Yamamoto and it was Yanni Gord, net front. You know, they're two shortest players, mm -hmm. and they just don't have a big body that can really impose his presence there in front of the offensive net. Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And this is also where I, I don't remember if I did mention it or I meant to mention it last postgame live, but the, the seemingly disconnect between the defensemen and the forwards in the defensive zone. And we really saw that again tonight, RJ, where there, there isn't a lot of communication there. There isn't a lot of, Hey, if this defenseman has to go into the corner or drop behind the net, the forwards kind of slide back a little and help out or the center kind of moves into a more net front role or position. We're not seeing any of that right now from the Kraken in the defensive zone. What we saw tonight was as many people in chat during the live game commentary were pointing out, a lot of guys just bunching up in the middle, right? Just just kind of perfectly center middle too, like right here defensively. Not not doing too much by doing that. Uh, Nashville was able to get a ton of shots in that first period, in the first half of the second period. Just They were all outside easy shots, right? Like Grubauer wasn't having to do too much. We talked about it. They had like 15 shots and only like three of them looked dangerous on Grubauer. But they were able just to keep getting a ton of offense because there wasn't wingers pressuring defensemen. Uh, there wasn't, you know, a center really harassing anybody from moving towards the in inside. I really think some of the problems defensively right now for the Kraken come down to the forwards not coming back and really kind of contributing with that defensive system. Uh, and hopefully we see that change. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Need to take a look at coming out fast and falling on their faces in the second cycle in that fourth line and save some gas from Ty there. That's certainly a way to look at. Like, that's certainly something to potentially try. If you are going to kind of hold and, and use that fourth line 
um, in more of a reserve capacity, let them be an energy line then, right? If they're only going to play seven minutes, you know they can step up and really go all out for those seven minutes. Have them start the second period. It has been a struggle for the Kraken in the past, and it's continued to be one so far through two games. And one of the things I remember Hackstall doing last season, too, is I, I feel like I saw a lot of the fourth line fairly early in games, uh, just going out there, being that energy line, but also keeping the other lines fresh. It felt like they had a disproportionate amount of ice time in the first mm-hmm. period. And, and they would usually do good things. Sometimes they'd get off to a good start and maybe, you know, score an early goal and bring the momentum that way. But they rarely did anything bad. And so that leaves you in the second and third period where you can really kind of stack your lines uh, at the end of the game. And I just don't see Hackstall doing that through the first two games here agreed uh i'm gonna jump down and then i'll come back up uh, to comments but tight here with yams is good at disappearing behind the defense goals are coming i would agree with that because you know he's been there and what we have seen from the kraken when they've been able to establish things offensively or when they have tried to attack off of transition they are trying to find backdoor plays we've seen that through both games so far that does appear to be one of the things the kraken are going for i don't know if you saw more of that through training camp up there rj yeah, a little bit. I, I did see some some work on that. I mean, it's tough because a lot of the scenarios were like, you know, without the same kind of, you know, defense or defensive numbers that you'd normally see. But yes. OK, so I, I think the goals are coming. I think Yams is going to be a part of that. Like he, he has to be right. Just given his style of play and, and where he has been uh, through these first couple of games. But I, I think that's good stuff. Um Braun, would you guys agree that we don't really have guys who are good at smashing and rebounds or am I confused? No, I mean, we, we kind of talked about the rebounding thing uh, a little bit there. But yeah, it's just about getting people net fronts and, and having them there in that spot. I thought they did a better job of that today, certainly through the first 10 minutes than they have in the past. So I think it's again, it's one of those things they're they're getting used to that idea and it'll just take a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, Jen with the great reference to to wow, it's like old school Alteric Valley battlegrounds. Everyone just milling around in the field of strife, doing nothing. Yeah, it is good, good, good call out. Um, Ron, I've felt uninspired in general about the game so far, but the news guys especially feel like they're making a ba- the new guys um, especially feel like they're making a bad first impression. I, I don't know that I'd go that far, RJ. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, in Dublin's case, yes, but I think you you look at Belmar. You know, who's look. We shouldn't expect any kind of, you know, nobody's getting on the score sheet. Belmar's not going to be the guy who's going to break through and provide yeah. the goals for you. That was never what he was going to do. So, like, again, my expectations, you know, scoring expectations for him were, you know, very low. So that doesn't really matter. He's doing what I expected. He's been solid, hasn't made any big mistakes. He's blocking shots. He's killing penalties. Mm-hmm. Been a part of a really good penalty kill. So I'm I'm okay with him. Um, and, and Yamamoto, like limited minutes but like i like the things i've seen from him and he's willing to do things that you know not enough players i think on this team are willing to do going to the net trying to get lost in those tough areas it's just we've only saw you know what was his 11 26 of ice time from him tonight and um you know a lot of that uh you know and part of that a lot of that on the power play which was not good but it's not his problem the power play problems go way past kyler yamamoto so i don't know I've, i've been okay with those two yeah, I again it's 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 a changing of expectation for the fourth line that that needs to take place just because the fourth line is different their job is different. Um what Hackstall wants from them is different. And again, the the emphasis should be falling on, you know, frankly, it it's the the guys that should be scoring more and generating more offense, the guys who are being paid to score more and have more offense. You know, I I pulled up their cap friendly page. Burakovsky, Eberly, Schwartz, Bjorkstrand, Yanni Gord and Jared McCann. 
that's a that's six forwards all being paid five million dollars or more a year right that's we've got to focus on who needs to be up in the offensive game i feel like that's the list you look at probably for it um did fuji go to bed Francesca. yes fuji did go to bed <laughs> fuji is on the, on the land Yes, fugitive. He did. He did go to bed. I was thinking about bringing him out here, but you know, what? I think I'm going to try and save it for the first crack and win when when the vibes are right. Um, also, he's sleeping, and I don't want to bother him. But um, but yes, Fuji did go to bed. Uh, and then let's see. Fuji's uh, a faceoff guy, right? Yes, definitely faceoffs, veteran leadership. Those were the stuff that Belmar was brought in for mostly. CJ Travis Konechny has twice as many goals this season than the Kraken. He'd look good on the second line with Berkey. We're back to Travis Konechny, RJ. <laughs> yes. I mean, hey, he would be a good addition. I mean, really right. anywhere, just given what he brings, right? And that that's an option. Again, the Kraken do have the cap space and the assets to bring a guy like that in potentially if yep. they decide that's what they want to do. Yeah, and you know what? We'll see, right? If the if the slide continues a little bit, it is it's totally possible that that we see some them go out and be aggressive. Um, let's see, uh, Edward. I want <laughs> PB to score the first Edward goal for the Kraken. I don't want to have to wait for Shalik. Yeah, it might be a be a long wait, but I, I think I think Pierre Edward Belmar will get there. Oh uh, yeah, you know, hey, come on, I you know how long I'm gonna have to wait. <laughs> Dylan yeah. goal. um let's see um tammy i got into hockey with the kraken's first season so i may have missed something but why do we hate lausanne we don't hate lausanne lausanne uh, was around for the first season with the kraken or the first half of the first season and he played pretty poorly and so yeah yeah I mean, well, every team, you know, has kind of that one player who, you know, tends to make a little bit more mistakes than the other guys and, you know, kind of ends up being being the whipping boy for a while. And, you know, in the Kraken's inaugural season, that was Jeremy Lozon. I mean, take the defensive miscues from from Brian Dumoulin that, that you've seen over these first two games, multiply them by like 10 or 15 and just about every game and you know and that's what what jeremy lozon was for you know 53 games for the seattle crack and before ron francis somehow got a second round pick for him um so yeah it's just fun to laugh at now we don't actually hate him but i tell you, he was he was giving up personally responsible for like at least one grade a chance for the opponent every like game. every single game for a while yeah definitely <laughs> uh ricky uh Changed fourth line expectations, but made no oh, just jumped on me. Sorry. No commiserate offensive upgrades anywhere else. Again, you look at the roster and they tech like they shouldn't have had to. Right. I Again, that list of six players I named, those are all guys who have scored 25 to you know plus goals in the NHL. They should be they, they're capable of doing that. And they just haven't really been producing outside of Jared McCann. You could argue that none of them have produced as a Kraken at that level um yet and so i still think it's it's i understand why ron francis wouldn't have made a more significant move given he has all those guys out there it's just at some point somebody's got to step up at least beyond jared mccann you need more than just jared mccann exactly and of all those guys mccann i think would be the one who you'd say is least likely to be able to repeat what he did last season um the other guys you could really see taking a step forward whether it's maddie Beneers, bjorkstrand burakovsky being healthy you know those are the guys you need to, to lean on and so far they they haven't come through and again you don't need 40 goals from them but if you got six guys giving you 25 that's enough that's more yep. than enough so we will see uh ryan as we as we close we're we're getting close to the end here uh how do we begin to win the face-off battle is it just going to take time for our young guys to learn and grow long term or can we make an improvement this year 
most of it, certainly with like Matty Veneers, it's just going to take time. Centers in this league, it takes three to four years really for those top guys to to really figure things out in the faceoff dot. I think this is why they brought in Belmar was to help out. Yanni Gord's around a 50% guy. Um, and then Wenberg, I don't know. This is probably just who he is face-off wise. Yeah, I don't see any big improvement coming from Wenberg. And then Beneers, it's just the kind of thing you you have to grow and get better at as you get older. And I mean, you know, even even face-off legends right now, like, you know, even a Sidney Crosby, you know, was at one point a, a relatively weak face-off player. You know, good players just, you know, take that time to have to work on that aspect of their game. It'll come, but it might not be soon. Yeah. Uh, Bryce with the great bringing up that evolving hockey's tweet when Lazan was traded as an all time favorite. Jeremy Lazan is a player who hates his team and has shown no upside at the NHL level. <sighs> all time tweet for sure. For <laughs> sure. Oh, man. Um, all right, everybody. I think that's going to do it for this uh, edition of Emerald City Hockey's post game live. Uh, one more time, want to give a huge shout out to Flatstick Pub for sponsoring us. Uh, this year, here's the graphic for that season long special. Again, you know, just take your take your ticket to that South Lake Union location. Get that 50 percent off games beforehand. Get some fun in before the game. Go to the game. Have a good time. Come back and uh, enjoy the post game with a dollar off beer at Flatstick Pub. And I'm just going to say, if you go to their website, flatstickpub.com and you look at the locations, just scroll down a little bit to their six locations. That South Lake Union one. It looks really cool. You can kind of see it back there behind in the graphic, but like the decor and the the vibes and the theme that they went for, I absolutely love it. I cannot wait to get up there uh, at some point for for some sort of live event with everybody. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot of fun. All yeah, right. absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for this one. Kraken will be back at it against the Blues, and uh, we'll you know we'll go for a different result again. <laughs> yep right back at it you know that's the great thing about the schedule a couple days we're right back at it definitely definitely all right so i will uh, we will see you all uh next time everybody take care